If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. What the heck is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Kind of Funny X-Cast, your home for all things Xbox here at Kind of Funny. Of course, I'm one of your show hosts, Snowbike Mike, and today I am joined by both of my gaming dads, Mr. Paris Lilly and Gary Witta. Guys, we are back after a very busy couple of weeks. It's just me and you two here on the panel to finally just relax and talk video games. How are we all feeling? Gary, I'll start with you. be doing just like a regular old-fashioned show, just the three of us. <laughs> you know, last, last week we had Todd. That obviously was a big deal. Uh-huh. The last time I was on before that was the Phil Spencer interview. And in fact, someone in the YouTube comments was giving me shit. Oh, oh Gary only shows up. <laughs> Gary's a star fucker. He only shows up when they have a big guest. <laughs> oh, fuck yourself. You know what actually happens. The show gets moved around. I'm not always available. Yes, if yes. I can come in, I can come in. Let him know, not always Gary, come let him in. know. <laughs> I am I am I am also a bit of a style fucker though. I mean, I mean we, we had, all are a little bit, right? We had Rod Ferguson on. Yeah, I he wasn't here. So I, I wasn't here wasn't for that. There for that I one. actually would have loved that. I mean, retrospectively, I would have loved that because, as you know, my my game du jour is Diablo Four. I know you would just have loved hit World Tier Three. I'm getting the good loot, the sacred legendary loot. You're killing. Oh yeah, me, I love that. It. What are you running? Sorcerer. And what, what, what kind of spec are you running? I right actually just respect. Adam just walks me through a whole new. He looked at my build and he was like, "Dude, gotta we got to talk." Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I was not, I was not putting out the DPS that I wanted. He uh, spec me into a, um, into a, into a frost build. Okay, um, that's working out nicely for me. Glad to hear that. I think I was like again. I, I didn't want to be. I always played a frost mage in World of Warcraft. Yeah, which is useful for crowd control and stuff like that. But it's, it was, it was, it's, it's typically known as the. The, the least damagey build. I want to do damage. Eventually, we spec my Warcraft mage into fire. Um, and so I stayed away from this three trees for the sorcerer in uh, Diablo. And I stayed away from frost because I, I still have that holdover from. But it turns out in Diablo, a frost build, you can do some serious damage. I'm going to have to copy your build, Gary. You're going to have to share that with me next yeah, time yeah, yeah. we play. Uh, let's check in with G- Mr. Paris Lily. Paris, how are you today, my friend? Oh, I'm, I'm doing fantastic. And I, I saw that comment that Gary was talking about that cracked me up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Paris, you no, know that. Paris, you know that's not what I'm about. No, no, of course not. Of course not. But <laughs> I will say, though, I will say the X cast has become the home of the big interview. Mm. I mean, between, between Phil and, and, the, and then the Todd, like, it's a bit really interesting to see when you get a big guest like that, just how many headlines it generates. Like, pretty much every yeah. single thing that Phil said got picked out and, and turned into its own news story. And the same with Todd, because these are the guys that, that move the needle. When they, when they talk, people listen. Yeah, it was pretty yeah, special absolutely. to share those experiences with you both and, of course, our audience. And uh, learned a lot from that, grew a lot, and very excited for the next one, right? Like, the questions that we ask, the flow of the interview, just kind of feeling that and learning a lot. I think that was pretty special to share with you. Hey, guys. you know what I got in the mail yesterday? What'd you got? That Starfield controller and headset combo. 
Oh, Can we God. show it off right at Paris? Can you show there it, it off? It is. He's got one. Right of course, Paris has got it too. What a beautiful controller. Yes. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And the headset's and, pretty and sweet too. Look at that. Well. Oh, my God. It's pretty nice. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would rock that just as my headphones. Like, because yeah, it's Bluetooth as well. You know, you can use it just for like your music headphones. The microphone will do phone calls. That I've said it before. I'll say it again that the bog standard basic $99 um, wireless uh, Xbox headset, which it's the same one as that Starfield, just different skin is a terrific headset. It's one of the Solid. best I've it used. Is. Really good. Yeah, we gave it a lot of praise when we reviewed it previously here on the Xcast. Really enjoyed that Xbox headset for the price and for what it's capable of. It's really impressive tech over there. And I'll tell you something so, else I've just... Oh, sorry, Paris, you go ahead. Oh, no, no. I was just going to say, since we're showing stuff off, I might as well go ahead and talk oh, about those, this you got the Ally? Too. Oh, my. Yeah, show so off that, the, too. Yeah. How do you like so, that compared to the Logitech one, the cloud one, well, the Logitech cloud? Well, here's, here's the thing. I'll actually compare this to not only that, but but the Steam Deck as well, because I've been using this for a few weeks, and I, I have to give a shout to Xbox and Asus because they did send this over to me. But this is the Xbox handheld that I've I've always wanted. This is this is what Ooh. we're talking about the, because it's running Windows. This is running Windows 11. Um, it has what Asus has its own baked in software called the Armory Crate, where I can pull in the Xbox app, I can pull in the Steam app, I can pull in uh, the U Ubisoft Connect, Epic Game Store, all of that, and it runs all the games through that. Or you can just run them on the desktop. It's a little cumbersome to get it set up initially. I'm talking about a couple of negatives that I do have. It's a little cumbersome to set up initially because. Like I said, this is just a pure Windows 11 desktop. Um, there's some driver updates you're going to need to do, BIOS updates, things like that. But once you get everything set up and it's running the way that you want, I mean, it's great. The other negative, I, I would say, though, is the battery life. And we already knew that. Uh, my first it. question was going to, as soon as you yeah. said it's running Windows, I'm like, how's the battery? Yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, because you can run it in different modes. Like there's a turbo mode and then there's, you know, a couple lower performance modes that you can do depending on the type of game that you're playing. But if you're running this in turbo mode, like say I'm playing Cyberpunk 2077 on this, I mean, I'm lucky to get two hours. I mean, and it's, it. it's, it's, to me, for a handheld, if you're talking below two hours, it just it just doesn't add. The numbers don't add up. For yeah, that, that yeah. Like you've got, you're going to have battery anxiety the minute you start playing, right? Yeah, minutes. It, it, yeah, and I do agree on that because the thing that I've played the most on this, and I, I, I tweeted about it uh, over the weekend, is Hades. That's probably been the main thing that I've been playing on this. I've been playing Rogue Legacy 2, jumped back into Planet Alana. I picked up Psychonauts 2 again, playing those. So games that aren't so graphically intensive, I am getting a lot more battery life out of it because I can kind of lower the, you know, the requirements of what I need out of it. I have not been playing this at 1080p. I've been playing it at 720p. Again, as an example, I've been playing a lot of stuff at 30 frames per second. Again, trying to conserve battery life as much as I can. But control-wise, comfort-wise, this is actually a lot lighter than the Steam Deck. I don't have my Steam Deck here in front of me. This is actually smaller than the Steam Deck and lighter. It's a good size screen, too. Is that, a, yeah, a, yeah, is, is that an OLED yeah. screen? Yeah. It, no, I think it's an IPS screen. Okay. I mean, this is not OLED. It's an IPS screen, but it does do... 1080p up to 120 hertz on it so i mean if you do run this thing maxed out it's gorgeous to look at you know as far as that goes it, it's a great device and i mean price wise i mean for what you're getting out of this i mean again the battery is the most negative thing out of this if you can deal with the battery to me it's a deal breaker this, they need they need to solve that before these kind of devices be become yeah, really viable and that, that would be the thing that I say uh, about this. And again, throwing the Logitech G Cloud into this, this runs everything native. So you're not streaming anything. I mean, you obviously could if you wanted to, but it's running everything on the, on the um, right. 
Yeah, so, yeah, so it's, it's, it's more comparable in. to the Steam Deck than the, exactly. than the Logitech exactly. device. Oh, okay. this, is, this is what I'll say about it, because I know a lot of people have been asking me, comparing it to the Steam Deck, would you get the Steam Deck? Would you get this? I'm still going to slightly lean towards the Steam Deck if you're playing games from the Steam Store, because the battery life is a little bit better. The controls are pretty much the same. It's less cumbersome to try and set it up initially. But if you're you're invested into the Xbox ecosystem, this is the device to get. This this is 100 percent device to get because you can you can run the Xbox app. You can do PC Game right. Pass on this. So all the games that are available on that are available on this. And it's close enough that you're not going to be upset if you pick this over the Steam Deck. Right now, I think the Steam Deck is just a little more mature on the software side. I think that's the biggest thing. This I think will continue to improve. It already has just since I've, I've had it over the past couple of weeks. There's been a BIOS update. There's been some driver updates to kind of help with the battery performance. But the Steam Deck right now, if I if you put a gun in my head, you got to pick one. I'm probably going to pick the Steam Deck. But again, this being an Xbox show and a lot of people obviously here are invested in, into the Game Pass. I'm going to say grab this if you're into Xbox games, because this is the Xbox device What's to get for, for handheld. situation? um decent i mean two back pedals right here like i said bumpers on the top all the controls that you would normally have on on i like how it has the rgb under the thumbsticks that's a nice bit of play you could and you could turn it off like when i originally had it it was doing all the flashy thing i'm like let me turn this stuff off so you can you can customize oh no i'm like the more rgb the more bullshit the better i love that gary i love it i remember when i built when i built my most recent pc and the fucking the ram has rgb on it i'm like i'm all about this like even the fucking ram sticks are rgb and you can program it and do yeah make it do whatever you want but the battery life is the killer the only way that would be viable for me right now and i'm not really much of a handheld game leah my wife is she plays everything handheld Mm -hmm. um the only way that would be viable for me uh, if I were a handheld gamer with the two-hour battery life, is if, is if I'm like on the couch with it plugged in, yeah. Like taking taking it on the road, two hours. What's the point? Like it's gonna be, it's gonna go before it's, you know it. It's gonna, it, like I said, it's gonna be a challenge yeah. taking this. Like if I'm on a plane or whatever, obviously you're gonna need battery packs or the whole thing to kind of recharge it as you go along. This is a more powerful device than the Steam Deck from a processor standpoint. Has more memory in it, things like that. I mean. They just got to crack the code on the battery. What Whatever are they charging the two, for it? Uh, I believe it's six ninety nine. Okay. I have the extreme version of it, which can can boost into a turbo mode. So again, if you're playing it at those high levels, I mean, it's doing some fantastic things on here. But the battery is going to be the biggest sacrifice yeah. that you're going to have. Yeah. I mean, that's just, just you know cut and dry. But like I said, for Xbox purposes, this is the handheld device to get. If you're an Xbox ecosystem person, if you're into Game Pass. This is the one to get because you can grab that Xbox app, put it on here, download all the games, play them natively, no problem. Well, thank you, Paris, for sharing that with us. Good questions from you, Gary, and yeah. Baird over there. I've and seen a lot course, of people talking about that Ally. Yeah, let us mm-hmm. know in the comments down below as we start off this episode. Hey, are you interested in the Ally? Are you jumping on some other maker model for your handheld gaming? As we continue to see this market grow and expand, will we see a better one? We'll find out soon. Enough. I mean, they like say the, the battery seems to be the, the big bottleneck, but yeah, I think you're gonna you're gonna see these. I think I think the Steam Deck was kind of the the portal into like this. I don't know. Everyone's trying, right? Whether or not it'll it'll succeed, we don't know. But like we've, there's there's at least three or four of these devices now that they're they're trying to make this a, a market a market yeah. segment that yeah. didn't really exist before. If I could say one more thing on it before we move on, part part of my thing again, the fact that this is running Windows 11 it is is great because again you can do all the native stuff that you normally would do on a Windows desktop. 
but I, I would hope moving forward that that Asus and, and Microsoft or whoever they partner with kind of work on a more customized version of Windows that is more handheld friendly. So it's more pick up and play, because like I said, that initial setup can be a little cumbersome when you do this. So hopefully they can kind of create a forked version of Windows that is more compatible with these handheld gaming devices for just better ease of use. Because I think for more layman people that aren't necessarily into tinkering around that would kind of be off. That's the thing. Initially. I don't know why they didn't do like a, a cut, like you said, like a forked, like, like some kind of dumbed down version of it. That's like, it can still be Windows, but on the surface, it just right. looks like Steam OS. Because mm. like when you pick up a handheld, there's an expectation that it's going to behave like a console, right? Yeah. Not a fucking PC, which you know any of us have done PC game over the years, as we all have. Like it can be a, a headache getting stuff well, working and, the way you want. And that's the other thing where I give the Steam Deck the advantage over it because, sure, Steam OS is is under the hood, and you can absolutely boot into it and treat it like a desktop if you so choose. But they have the initial Steam Big Picture mode layer on top, so that you're just picking up like you norm normally would a a gaming handheld. Oh, I want to download this game. Boom, I download it and I just start playing. Versus this one, ooh, I got to do this driver update. Ooh, I got to go into desktop mode to do this. I got to tinker around, hope the mouse works right. Like I had all kind of little weird things when I initially was trying to set it up that I had to figure out. So, you know, like I said, after about an hour or two of doing that, I'm fine. But it's that initial thing that I think people just need a heads up on if they do decide to go pick this up. All right. Keep an eye on it. Let us know if you pick this up. Of course, let's jump into it because we have a fun one this week. When you thought everything was chilling out and we could finally catch our breath and talk, just hanging out, talking games. No, no. Xbox and the FTC are now finally in the courtroom. And oh, man. We got a whole lot of tea and a whole lot of heat to talk about. Well, we'll talk about that in just a moment because, of course, I have to remind you that this is the Kind of Funny X-Cast. We post each and every Thursday at 6 a.m. West Coast, Best Coast time on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games and on podcast services around the globe. Don't forget we are Epic Games Partners, which means if you are buying a new-looking Rocket League, upgrading your Fall Guys being in Fall Guys or Find that sweet, sweet battle pass in Fortnite. Please use our epic creator code, kind of funny, at checkout to help support the team in a brand new way. And of course, we always like to thank those who support us over on Patreon. Whether you're backing us on either one of our Patreons, we'd like to thank you for enjoying some additional content and, of course, ad-free viewing and watching. Like our Patreon producers for the month of June, Casey Andrew, Delaney Twining, and James Hastings. Thank you so much for your support. This week, the Kind of Funny X-Cast is sponsored by BetterHelp, but I'll tell you about that in just a little bit. Guys, let's turn our attention to the courtroom because, of course, this whole week has been nothing but the FTC and Xbox doing battle over this Activision Blizzard King acquisition. And we've had some spicy stuff come out of it. I think the fun one is we've always talked about, oh, we'd love to be a fly on the wall when they make these business deals. Well, guess what? We are that fly on the wall now. It's like I said to you before the show, Mike, the thing about the, about the discovery process in these trials, as we saw with the Fox Dominion case, is it all comes out. Yes. Like all the tea gets spilled. All the dirty laundry is, it is, 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 coming is, out. is on display. We got Phil Spencer, Sarah Bond, Pete Hines, Jim Ryan, and more all in the courtroom. And I want to give a big shout out to, of course, those incredible hardworking men and women on the ground right now, like Rebecca Valentine, Stephen Totillo, and Tom Warner, 
Tom Warren from The Verge, who are all covering this in their different outlets and doing one heck of a great job. Do you think job. it's fun for, for people like Rebecca and Tom? Who we, I mean, they are, don't get me wrong, they're proper journalists. Rebecca in particular is a fantastic journalist, mm -hmm. right? She's really good at what she does. She just happens to be a journalist covering video games, which sometimes gets taken less seriously. But she's a great journalist, a great yeah. reporter. Do you think she's enjoying being in that courtroom, feeling like fucking Lois Lane or something? Like being like, <laughs> this, is big, this is the big time. Like I'm doing this big courtroom thing. If I had to guess... I think she's in her bag and having a great time. Yeah, I think right? she like, is. This has got to be I the moment so. they're all excited for because everyone that I've listed and even more are doing an incredible job covering this and getting all the news out to each and every one of us on the outside, getting to read and hear all about it. And being in the courtroom is probably an incredible experience. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Paris and Gary and our audience out there, there has been a lot coming out. And, of course, there's still a lot going on. As the time of recording this on a Tuesday, we still have the remainder of the week until the end of this court case to hear what else is going on. But I thought we'd share some highlights that we've seen from those people inside and just talk about some of it. And I'll start off, of course, Starfield could have skipped Xbox prior to the ZeniMax deal. That was a pretty cool headline coming out of it. It looked like Sony wanted to flex that timed exclusivity once again, like they did with Deathloop and, of course, with Ghostwire. But Phil Spencer and the team said, no, 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 and they bought ZeniMax. Right. <laughs> which was, I thought, a pretty interesting one there. So, yeah, obviously this is an argument that Sony is making, right? Um, and so they're saying, like, we like, I, I don't know, Again, I don't want to come across like a platform warrior. I'm just trying to understand it. Is the argument Sony's making, because it sounds like it, we like it when we get exclusives, but we don't like it when Xbox does? Because they, they would have been fine with Starfield being a PS5 exclusive, right? Yes. But as soon as it, as soon as it now it's an Xbox exclusive, that's anti-competitive. It's very interesting to see that and hear that out of Jim Ryan, right? It's like, I mean, Sony love their exclusives, man. He's not mad at exclusives, and he understands exclusives, he says, but he's not mad at that. But, like, clearly as as they're making exclusive. deals. Yeah, exactly, to do that. Final Fantasy sixteen in particular that just came out, we see that. We bring up the other Bethesda titles with Deathloop and Ghostwire. Like, they're more than happy to make these exclusive deals, but... Of course, when it's Xbox's turn, maybe they're not so pleased. And, and just, to, just to dial this back, we talked about this before the show, to contextualize this. This is for, kind of for all the marbles, right? What this judge decides at the end of this trial is, gonna, is essentially going to decide the fate of this Activision-Microsoft yeah. merger, right? It's either going to acquisition, whatever. It's either going to happen or not based on the outcome of this trial. There's no going back, right, Paris? Like, after this, no matter what the call is, they, they wouldn't be able to salvage this if they say no. Yeah. And that's what it's sounding like. And and if you two don't mind, if you give me a little room on on this, because I just want to give my two cents. Get flexible. Um, you you as as I'm sure people that watch this know, I, I hate talking about this. I do. I really do. I, I, but <laughs> but I paid I paid attention the entire time on on what's been going on. And I'll take you back a year plus when we were talking about it back then. And I was saying even then in the early stages of this deal, I go, this is. This is business. We're, we're going to see the dirty side of business um, from Jim Ryan and PlayStation standpoint. Of course, they don't want Microsoft to acquire Activision. So they're going to do everything that they can do to try and block the deal. And he admitted that as such today in a conversation he had with Bobby Kotick. So when I think about everything that I've seen here over the past, I don't know, five or six days, however long this, this case has been going, hearing testimonials from Sarah Bond, from Pete Hines, from Matt Booty, from Phil Spencer. And today, as we're recording this, we got the recorded uh, testimony from Jim Ryan. I have not heard anything that should block this deal, in my personal opinion. What, what everything that I've heard is this is business. 
Xbox is the third place, is in third place, you know, in, in this whole gaming industry right now behind Nintendo and PlayStation. And there they saw an opportunity to be, become more competitive. And something else that I have said year plus ago when all this went down, this is not about Call of Duty. It's about mobile. Phil Spencer said as much. You heard Jim Ryan reiterate that today. It's about mobile. That's why they wanted to do this in, in the first place. Obviously, Call of Duty is actually a nice perk to have. Diablo, all the, all these other IPs that they're going to have um, from Activision, but it's about building out their mobile portfolio. That's what Xbox is trying to do. They're trying to leverage mobile and PC to gain more market share in the overall gaming industry. And when you even think about how Phil Spencer broke down the actual numbers of mobile when it's compared to console, it's not even close. That's the thing. We never and, we never talk about this, do we? Because mobile games, yeah. we don't think of them as sexy. Like, it's not sexy to talk about, right. like, Candy Crush or fucking Raid Shadow Legends. Like, mm -hmm. those seem kind of cheesy to us. But yeah. if you actually look at what the mobile sector generates, like, that's actually where the real money is. Yes, that's where the money is. And that's where they're trying to get, make sure they can get their own mobile store in there. And I think Phil Spencer even said when they talk about potentially buying Zynga at one point is because the other big mobile uh companies out there are from china and they couldn't buy them even if they wanted to right so that's why they initially looked at zynga and then obviously they pivoted here into activision when when that opportunity and it's funny because we took it's funny Paris, because we talk about like oh the, the the microsoft activision deal or sometimes we call it yeah. the, the activision blizzard but we, 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 we for some reason king. we never say activision blizzard king but that king exactly. is no joke right that's, well, we're that's the prize in all of this but mm -hmm. just just real quick i'll wrap up what I, i'm trying to say here because like i said i found it fascinating today going from what phil spencer talked about on friday and then here today on tuesday hearing what jim ryan had to say they all agree call of duty call of duty is not going anywhere call of duty is going to stay on the platform so this is not about call of duty this is basically coming down to hey you're going to get a competitive you're going to start to be more competitive I don't want you to because that makes my job harder because now we need to do more things to keep the current market share that we have. That's all this comes down to at the end of the day. And like I said, from everything that I've heard, the evidence on both sides, sure, we've seen all these emails, Matt Booty back in 2019, all these things about, yeah, we could outspend them to do whatever. But the evidence that we've seen over the past few years, that's not what they've tried to do. In particular, I think even that Sega one coming out, there were they had no intention of making those games exclusive. They're going to keep them multi-platform. And again, from a business standpoint, looking at my, Minecraft as an example, they would be hurting themselves if they made Minecraft and Xbox exclusive. The same as they would be hurting themselves financially if they made Call of Duty, you know, uh, Xbox exclusive. So that's why they didn't do that. Games that generate money year after year, they're not going to do that too. But standalone games like a Starfield that had no console allegiance, you know, when it was announced. Yeah, they're making an exclusive. It just makes sense. So when I look at this, I don't think it gets, I think it goes through. I still do. I didn't hear anything that I was like, oh my God, this, yeah, they're going to block this. All I heard was PlayStation doesn't want it to go through because it could potentially take away from their market share. Xbox wants it to go through because they're going to gain market share. And at the end of the day, competition which is what they've been talking about this entire time, we're the ones that benefit from that. If we have a more competitive Microsoft Xbox, then that means we're going to get a more competitive PlayStation and we're going to probably see more, more competitive pricing on some of these things, which I mean, we might get into that later into this. We're going to see more, more risk with some of the game. Just there's a lot that could happen if this does go through versus keeping it status quo. So 
I didn't hear anything that says to me this does not go through. Everything yeah, just seems like it will. I wonder if there's a, if there is a bit of a, a double standard because if Sony were doing this, I could kind of maybe see why there'd be an argument against it. Not because I'm like anti-Sony and pro Xbox, but just because Sony is clearly so far ahead, right? In this generation, they're so far ahead, right? PlayStation is killing it. PlayStation Five is killing it. Xbox, we, we, we don't have all the numbers, but like it's clear that Xbox is way, way behind in terms of like, over, you know, installed base and, you know, the money that, 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 that it generates. Um, and so Microsoft and Xbox making an aggressive move to like, so if you like Xbox and PlayStation are here, if it moves Xbox to here, now these, now, you know, Sony have got to work a little bit harder to make sure they don't continue to, so it makes it and more competitive. Whereas if you've got the guy that's already in number one, just like extending their lead, that's when it starts to get monopolistic. So I don't know. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's weird. There's a lot going on today. Like it's just the court reporting coming out today is a lot of stuff about you know, part of the Jim Ryan deposition is like, oh, nobody likes Game Pass. And I'm trying, I, I, I don't know what the FC, FTC lawyers, where they're going. Like, I don't know why we're having a discussion about Game Pass in terms of like anti-competitive, antitrust stuff. I don't, I'm, I'm not quite sure what, the full context of all the of, of all the stuff that's coming out is but like it seems like it's covering a massive it, basically all of microsoft's business is being like kind of put under under the microscope right now yeah it uh, definitely uh, go uh, ahead mike I'm uh, sorry. i was gonna say a lot of conversation has been around exclusivity as well when we talk about the console share market and paris brought it up of, of course call of duty phil went under oath and swore that call of duty would remain on playstation we also got some special details about indiana jones However, it looks like that will be Xbox and PC exclusive. Right. So there's one right there. And, of course, even Phil said, we don't know about Elder Scrolls Six, which is a very interesting tune there because, of course, I think we all assume that that would be exclusive, but it's too far out to tell, almost five-plus years away. So, Paris, of course, I want to talk about that because I think you called that, that Elder Scrolls Six is very far away, <laughs> along with possibly launching on a different console than we're currently all playing on. But... Yeah, when you hear about Call of Duty being not exclusive, but then Indiana Jones and Starfield or Elder Scrolls still being up in the air, what do you think about the exclusivity talk of it all? Well, first and foremost, Andrea, I won, you lost. Okay, <laughs> just want to be clear on that. But I mean, but that's the thing. And again, going back and forth with the, the various, uh, you know, um, discussions that we heard Phil even say and even Jim Ryan said today, exclusivity is what attracts people to to your console or to your brand or to your ecosystem so there's always going to be some component of exclusivity you know as long as these gaming companies are around but there are certain games that it does not make sense to make them exclusive so you're not going to not going to do it so when you think about an elder scroll 6 that is not going to be a multiplayer game it's going to be single player standalone it would make sense for them to make it exclusive versus putting it on everything because just like i think we're seeing right now with starfield if it shows well enough you're going to get people excited enough that does not have an Xbox to say, you know what, I need to go get an Xbox or I need to go subscribe to Game Pass. So you you do need those those certain things that are going to attract people to come into your ecosystem that will be exclusive. And then even think about the Indiana Jones thing. And we don't know all the financial details or whatever, but clearly Xbox went back to Disney and negotiated that because at first they wanted it to at least get it on Game Pass and ultimately just made it an exclusive because if Indiana Jones winds up being this new new take on that character and IP that machine games is bringing out and people are excited to go play it. It's going to, it's going to attract people into the Xbox ecosystem. I'll take you back to Phil Spencer on our show. He said 
that they screwed up last generation so much that that was the start of the digital age of gaming, right? And they got so far behind, people are now so invested into their digital ecosystems, it's gonna be hard to break them away from it. And the only way you're gonna do that is to start having consistent exclusive games that people want to play on the competition to get them to even consider it. So that's why he made the comment about Starfield being 11 out of 10 is not going to be enough to get people to come. They're going to have to do more than that, and you're going to do that with exclusive games. Now, am I personally a fan of make everything exclusive and all that? Of course not. I don't think most most reasonable people don't wouldn't want that. Why would you? But it's business, right? At the end of the day, it's business. This is how it works. And we're hearing this play out over the past few days about how the business of gaming works, whether you like it or not. PlayStation has done what they've done strategically because it has worked for them to make these exclusive deals, to get a Final Fantasy 16 exclusive to them, to get these one-year deals for Deathloop and Ghostwire Tokyo. And like Phil said himself, they're using some of the revenue that they get from their competitor to finance them to actually do those deals to keep the market share that they have. This is why I hate talking about this. I hate talking about this so much. No, it's it's, it's, it, it's it, interesting yeah. though to see the kind of the you know to to peek behind the curtain and see the inner yeah. workings. Yeah, totally. Of this stuff in t- in terms of what what's actually in front of us here, I can maybe this is reductive and it's probably more nuanced than this, but I kind of felt like Microsoft's general argument was: look, we're not. This isn't going to alter the status quo in any way. Like we're not taking no. anything away from anybody. So you look at big t- like Call of Duty has been the thing that most people are focused mm-hmm. on because that has been. I think people associate that franchise with the PlayStation more than any other platform. Um, and Microsoft has said, we're not going to, you know, we're not PlayStation gamers that for generation after generation have been used to playing Call of Duty. You're going to continue to be able to do that. We're not going to take anything away from you. There might be a few extra perks on the Xbox side, just like they, there always have been like extra perks here or there on one platform or another. Those kind of little mini exclusives, like a timed really, you know, it used to be that I remember the last, um, uh, modern, you know, the last black ops, you, that there was like special modes, uh, multiplayer modes that were locked for a year. And a year is the effective life, entire effective lifespan of a Call of Duty game because there's a, there's, one, there's a new one every year, right? So these things have always existed. Minecraft, again, has always been on every platform. They're not, not going to change that. But at the same time, we're going to continue to develop our own platform, you know, our own new exclusive things like Starfield, and that might sometimes involve you know, acquiring studios and stuff. The question is, what does it mean in the long term? Things like Elder Scrolls Six, Diablo Five, you know, other, you know, the, the next Doom, the next Wolfenstein looking far out are they there's there's no way to know like what are they what are they going to decide is more advantageous to them bring those in-house and make them console exclusives because that is taking away now you are doing the thing that you said you weren't going to do oh you used to you used to enjoy playing diablo on playstation can't do that anymore because diablo 5 is going to be xbox exclusive maybe we don't know like what the bit what the what the big picture is going to look like but i i agree i i don't honestly don't see what the problem is here I just think it's interesting that so much stuff that doesn't seem relevant is coming out. Like, I, I think we should be talking about right now is, is a lot of this testimony of Jim Ryan and Strauss and Zelnick basically saying, there's no way Game Pass is making money. It's not sustainable. And Phil Spencer saying, no, no, yeah, yes, it is. Someone's not telling the truth or someone, right. someone has it wrong. Like, which one is it? Is, I think to me, that's the biggest thing that came out today is the question, wait, is Game Pass sustainable or not? Because we ask that all the time. Like, I'm not an economist. I'm not a business person. I don't. I sort of always wanted to understand like the economics of Game Pass and uh, is Microsoft like just willing to lose money to get to build subscribers? And does that make sense? And how sustainable is that? Game Pass is fine. We from a, from a consumer point of view, we always say it's this amazing value. But is it such an amazing value that they can't possibly be making money on it? And are they in fact losing a shit ton of money on it? That seems to be 
what Jim Ryan and Strauss Zelnick and other people in their testimony are, are, are saying. So I don't know. It, it, it's, if, if Game Pass is like saddled with a long-term unsustainable business model, that is relevant to our interests because we like Game Pass and we want it to continue. Can, can I pivot that into something we may have talked about later, but I think it's relevant to what you're talking about right now with Game Pass is they just raised the price. Let's talk about um, it right now, Paris. Tell yeah, me. You want to yeah. fill everybody in on that? Let's talk sure, about it. Sure, sure. Let, let, let's talk about that. So Game Pass, uh, the console version of Game Pass went up by $1. So I guess it's ten ninety nine now uh, a month. And the, did an ultimate uh, go up by $2 from 15 yeah. to 17 Yeah, right. it did. And I guess PC Game Pass stayed the same. So going, oh, and also the Xbox Series X outside of the United States has gone up, what, what was it, by $50? Yeah, it looks, looks about yeah. $50. Yeah, so here's my thought on this. Um, not a fan. Not a fan. I understand why it's happening, but not a fan of it. Not a fan of it happening right now. Um, it's actually kind of disappointing that it's happening right now. I, I had someone tell me over a year ago that as soon as Xbox has a big major game that they think is going to be a hit, watch the price of Game Pass go up. And I go, you're crazy. That's not going to happen. And then it just happened. And I'm not saying that was the specific reason why we obviously know the economic state of the world and everything that's going on, but it's a little disappointing that you do it now, right before we're starting to hit all these big titles coming from their internal studios versus at least give us the rest of this year. Mm -hmm. Because again, I will say, as Phil Spencer himself said, they had a disappointing 2022 because they didn't have any major releases. So we went an entire calendar year without a major release from their internal studios. And then now we get into 2023 and we're on the cusp of having what potentially could be a generational title along with other, other games like Forza that are coming out this year. And now you raise the price on it. Um, I think all three of us have always said that Game Pass is the best value in gaming. And even with this price increase, it's still a great value. But I just feel like, could you have not held this until after this holiday and say, look, starting in January 2024, we're raising the price for X, Y, and Z. So at least you give people the rest of this year to take advantage at its current price point. Maybe you now get people invested at the current price point to now subscribe up to Game Pass and, and want, you know, want to invest in it. This could potentially be a deterrent to some people that were kind of waiting on the next big game to come out to see if they're going to subscribe to it. We'll obviously see how it plays out this holiday. But it is interesting that the price didn't increase on PC Game Pass. I, I, I find that part interesting that they left that alone when after all these FTC hearings we're hearing, that's one segment that they're pushing to grow. Yeah. So it's almost like the one that you feel still has potential to grow, you're not raising the price on, but the one that you're saying has kind of stagnated, you're going to raise the price on those consumers. And I'll say again, you, you just had this great fan fest in L.A. You had this great showcase in L.A. I was there with all, you know, all the fans are there. Everyone's super excited about it. These are your most loyal customers. These are the people that are right now investing into everything that you're doing and spending the money on it. And now you just told them, well, hey, we had this great show two weeks later. Guess what? I just raised the price on you. It's a little disappointing to hear it now. Like I said, if it was early 2024, okay, fine. Disappointing to hear it now, just because the last couple of years have just simply not been that great from their internal studios. And now that it looks like you're turning the corner on having some great games, you raise the price. They're probably going to see a bit of a, they're probably going to see a, bit, a big 
boost in Game Pass subscriptions in the short term now because a lot of people are rushing to get deals before the price. Go, go buy a year now, lock in, lock yeah. in the old yeah. price. You could, you can do that. Is right there is ways to I'm make saying that, that happen. There are people are, are, grab, are grabbing those deals. Um, the other thing that's worth mentioning, though, I mean, this is a systemic thing. I have a lot of subscriptions. Apple TV Plus, YouTube TV, YouTube Premium, HBO Max, Netflix, Hulu, you know, I have Disney Plus. I can't, I can't go a couple of weeks without getting an email from one of these streamers saying like, oh, we're, we're adjusting. They never remember, they never say raising the price. We're adjusting mm -hmm. the price. So we yeah. have a new price. And they nudge it up by a couple of dollars here. Because a lot of these companies are discovering, and this, you know, one of the reasons why I'm on strike right now, is Hollywood has backed itself into a corner where you know, they, they basically committed to a business model that is doing nothing but losing money. These, these streaming services right now were poorly conceived in terms of how they're financially uh, constructed. And now Disney and Amazon and Netflix and Apple are losing all this money. Some companies are willing to do that in order to build their subscriber base. Other companies you know, are, are looking at this in the short term going, all we're doing is losing money. Like we used to make money, now we're losing it. Like how is this brave new streaming future helping anybody? Game Pass might be, it's really no different, right? Pay one, one price every month and just get a bunch of shit and it all just gets included, um, like a buffet, um, companies I think are struggling to make that business model sustainable. So if, it's, if we're seeing a lot of headlines right now, because all, all the Hollywood studios are bleeding about, oh, you know, this streaming uh, model is not profitable for us, why would it be any different on the Game Pass side, which is essentially the same thing except mm -hmm. for games instead of movies and TV? Yeah, it's an interesting one because, you know, if we really rolled it back, I'm sure they had this planned a long time ago, as you said, Paris, right? Like, the dominoes were about to fall. Hi-Fi rush into what would have been a better red fall if Forts actually hit spring 2023 going into F Starfield. We would have started to hit that cadence that they really want to be at. I think a $2 price increase with that would have been a better situation than where we're yeah. at right now of... We're not there yet, guys. We haven't made it there. And it looks like you are just raising the price to get to Starfield that everybody's excited for. And it doesn't feel quite right, right? But like it, it's the perception. Yes. It's just the perception. That that's my thing to be crystal clear on this. I totally understand the economic reasons why you're raising the price. To Gary's point, you're seeing all these subscription services mm -hmm. have to raise their prices, you know, across the board. I get it. It's just the perception of it that now you do it. Mm. Even if you announced it now and just said, hey, January 2024, we're raising the price. That's fine. It just seems like right before we're actually getting to the good stuff, the price goes up. So that's yeah. all. I mean, I don't think it matters too much. So to your point, Paris, I think last year would have been a bad time to do it, right? As the vibes were off, as we kept saying, 2022. Mm -hmm. to, 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 to raise the price then, oh, so you, you're not delivering any games, but you're going to raise the price. That would have been a bad look. I think, you know, we joked about the L cast and we need to put a W on the board. I think the showcase was... A, a, a bit of a W, right? It was a good showcase, a lot of really good games. I think there was a, the feel-good factor came back a little bit after seeing the Starfield uh, Direct, and you know, I'm sure we'll talk about. It. I thought the showcase had a bunch. There's a bunch of games in that showcase that I was interested in, and I'm looking forward to playing. And a lot of them are on Game Pass, so I kind of feel like if they're going to do it, maybe they could have waited a bit longer. But I think they, they probably are thinking, let's cash in on like we have this big, you know, Starfield is this, you know, potential platform champion for us like now now is the time to get people to buy in i don't know like there's, there's the, the the better time the best time to raise the price is always some other time right like you know nobody wants yeah. it on the on the it's day true. that it comes um but i don't know if they, now is as good a time as any i guess because it looks like i feel like they have started to turn a corner in terms of this is a, you know this is a good proposition mm -hmm. we have a ton of good shit coming yeah and paris brought up I, i'm very interested in the pc game pass right like pc doesn't go up 
PC has a lot of competition in that space. What are they doing over there to bolster that? How do they make that successful? Are people signing up for the PC Game Pass side of things, right? Like we know consoles very much in. Game Pass Ultimate is great. What is going on on the PC side, right? But to keep that at the same price, very interesting. Definitely all eyes on that. But we have more eyes on the courtroom right after a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. It's so easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you and never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself. I know this from experience, how often it just seems easier to care about others and to keep it moving. But when we spend all of our time giving, it can leave us feeling stretched thin and burnt out. Therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. Some of my very best friends use BetterHelp and love how helpful it can be for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash kindoffunny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash kindoffunny. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, guys, let's jump back into it. Another facet that, of course, we saw from the CMA court trials was cloud gaming. And, of course, Sarah Bond came out to talk cloud gaming with the FTC. And it was very interesting to hear the take of what Sarah Bond had to say about cloud gaming because it's not a next leap. It's not a mainstay. It is just seen as a feature right now. Very interesting to see. Sarah Bond says cloud gaming is just a feature right now, not its own separate market. It's currently mainly used just to try games. And it is very interesting she said that because, yeah, I use a lot of my cloud gaming to try a game on my console where instead of installing and waiting, I just give it a try, get out of it, call it good, or maybe download it afterwards. But I am rarely finding myself nowadays fully using my Xbox Game Pass Ultimate where I am playing games off the cloud here at work or off off on some beach somewhere. Like, I'm rarely using that side of it. I am very much using it for 
I click on it. I play it for a couple minutes. I get yeah, out. Yeah, I mean that was that was one of the big selling points of Stadia for all the good it did them is like you know you can just try something immediately. Mm -hmm. You know, again like a TV streaming service. Like you don't have to wait for your TV show to download or install. You just press a button and it's and it's running right away. That's I think that's still the future. You know, is is not having to wait to 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 try something new because you know and in, uh, these games the install and the, the download and the install, a lot of people still have bandwidth caps, right? Don't don't forget that. It's not just that. It's like do I want do I want to spend you know, 500 gigabytes of my fucking bandwidth cap downloading these games. If, I, if I'm going to play them for five minutes yeah. and decide I don't like them, with the streaming gets you around that, the cloud stuff. Now, Paris, this wording of a feature instead of a separate market, is this going to work in their strategy here? Of course, that was the big conversation of, hey, you have a big head start on others in this new emerging market that is cloud gaming. Do you think the word feature and how she is spelling that out to everybody here at the FTC is maybe a nice easy workaround will it pay off for them to say it like that I think it will because it is a feature <clears throat> excuse me it is a feature because it's it's something we've even talked about here on this show in the past with with cloud gaming I I, I am a fan of it <clears throat> I think right now is still very early days uh you know the infrastructure and then every the technology you know cracking the code on latency there's a lot of different factors in it for it to ever become truly practical <clears throat> <clears throat> Excuse me. See, I, I was talking bad about about the Game Pass. They're trying to get me. Um, but yeah, it's it is a feature for the simple fact that I've always said it's a supplement to how we play. It's not going to replace local local gaming anytime soon. To the very point of what you were just saying, Mike, and I even just had my own recent example of this when I was traveling. That. I just use it to kind of just check in on something, just test something out versus I'm not sitting there for hours at a time playing a game over the cloud because there is some latency there. Do I use it? Yeah, but not in any kind of practical, this is the only way I plan on ever playing the game. This Honestly, this is why Stadia failed because they did not have any type of local option for you to play your game. So. I think what Sarah Bond testified to was, was spot on. It is a feature. And if you look at how they utilize it right now, you have to be on Game Pass Ultimate to be able to use it, you know, it, as a feature to, to their exact point. They don't have a standalone by cloud gaming for $5.99. That doesn't exist right now. It is a part of their overall subscription package to be able to use it as a subset of it, again, as a feature. So I think that was spot on. And I don't. And why are we even? Why? Why are we even talking about this as a as, as a as a competitiveness thing? Like Sony's saying, "Oh, Microsoft got a head start in cloud gaming." Well, whose fault is that? It's business. They were seeing it ahead. Should, of time. You, you, you should have. You should have moved faster. You should have seen it coming. Uh, of course, some more stuff out of this court proceedings. Of course, is Microsoft trying to buy Zynga a while back, but also having a big board of game uh, publishers, game developers that they were interested in like Sega, IO Interactive, and many others. And that's where I want to get the audience involved. They asked the audience in the, our community to write in with some questions that they've seen or some eye-popping stories coming out of this trial. And Omar C. writes in and says, Hey, XCast crew, love the show and everyone else are kind of funny. My question is, with the reveal of the Developers to Watch document in the Microsoft versus FTC trial, which would you like most to see Xbox uh, join the Xbox Game Studios and why? So, of course, Gary and Paris, you guys saw there was a big slide presentation of all of the different developers and publishers Xbox and Microsoft might have been looking at before this acquisition or onward uh, a number of names out there. Were there any that caught your eye of, oh, that would be interesting if they did make a move? You'd have that. to remind me who was on the list. Super Giant, Team Super 17. I, I would, I, I, you know, if the, it, 
as long as you could figure out what what it cost, I, Supergiant to me is a no-brainer. Like, like, have they released a single game that isn't a banger? No. Paris, any that jump out to you? Um, he, he stole mine, so I'll say Moon. Moon, oh. Moon would be the other one on there that I caught my eye. Again, they made Ori. So, yeah, you could bring them in-house. Why not? Uh, I was a big fan of IO Interactive. Of course, they are teaming yeah, up course. together the Bond to game, work right? on Project Dragon and the Bond game currently. But yeah, IO Interactive just seems like a very talented team of developers that really understand like a really awesome genre, but also aren't afraid to spread their wings and try something different. And I would be interested to see if that pairing could work really well under the Xbox umbrella, what they could bring, the kind of support money-wise that would allow them to create some really dope games. So IO Interactive, a great question there. Uh, this one's for you, Paris, from BNP. The big quote, spend Sony out of business. Do you think Microsoft will eventually achieve this goal of theirs? Uh, I don't think so, because clearly there's a lot of regulation and rules out there that's not going <laughs> to let that one happen. What what I think, what, here, here's what, what I think. I think... Again, we're, we're, we're getting a peek behind the curtain to, to more internal private conversation. So, look, from a competitive standpoint, I, I actually don't blame Matt Booty for, for thinking, having that mentality. But the, re, but the execution of it clearly is not, not going to happen that way. But we are seeing some, we're, we're clearly seeing spend happen right now. They just acquired Bethesda. They're trying to get Activision. We've even seen on the PlayStation side, they acquired Bungie, you know. So we're seeing both of them kind of go back and forth again, trying to get a competitive edge over, over the other, you know, in the, in the gaming space. So do I think this is the end for Xbox, whether they acquire Activision or not for them trying to spend more to acquire more? No, they're, they're, they're going to keep doing more because it's to their advantage and financially they can afford to do so. And since again, we got a peek behind the curtain, this is obviously something that's been very top of mind for them over the past few years. So yeah, I, I don't think they're going to put Sony out of business by by buying everything up. I don't think regulation regulators will allow them to do that regardless. But I do think they will acquire some more studios moving forward for sure. Do we know why Jim Ryan isn't in the courtroom? Why they're just pulling <laughs> clips from a videotape deposition? What's that about? I don't know what's up with that. Show up. Busy man. Can, can, can I give my personal Show up opinion and put on, on that? a suit and tie? He looked very yeah. nice. He looked very nice. Can I give my personal opinion on that yeah, one? Yeah, give, give, give us I don't your think, I think Jim Ryan's not there because he realizes it's it, it's not going to, whatever he has to say is not going to matter that much. Might as well just videotape it and phone it in. Because as we heard today, I didn't hear anything that came out of his mouth that made me go, you know what? He's right. Xbox shouldn't be trying to get Activision because it is going to hurt gaming. I didn't hear that at all. I just heard, man. I don't want them owning certain IPs that they now control and they can now dictate terms to. That's all I heard. Is it your prediction, Paris, then, that the judge is going is to ultimately side with Microsoft on this? I think so. And believe it or not, ironically enough, it was at the end of the Phil Spencer interview where I go, this is going to go through, where the, the, the FTC lawyer was, was pressing Phil about, remember he said under oath he was going to keep Call of Duty. So then he started pressing him about Diablo, and then he tried to get him on record about the cloud. And the judge just, we're done. No more questions. We're, we're done. And like, in other words, you're just, you're, you're talking in circles at this point. We get it. They're not going to take any of these games away from the current platforms. And that's, and it feels literally saying this under oath. So it's like, what else do you want him to say? At does, that that mean, point? does that mean if they, if they, if they bring Call of Duty in house, they can go lock, they can go lock up Phil Spencer. 
Well, I guess it comes again. I guess we're going back into this, but I guess it comes down to this. They're offering binding contracts that Jim Ryan acknowledged that, yeah, they're looking at it and they've considered it. So if they're going to say, hey, we're going to lock ourselves in for the next 10 years to make sure that these games stay on your platform, then we're showing that we have no intention to take it away. Not to mention their internal emails are also saying the same thing. So I don't think there's this nefarious plot to try and get Activision and then take Call of Duty away. I, I honestly, Call of Duty is a non-factor. Also, in, I, in all of this. I, I would want, I would need to hear from a lawyer, but I'm interested to know like what the limits are on how perjury works. Like you can perjure yeah. yourself by saying I didn't do something under oath, but it turns out that you did. If you mm-hmm. lied under oath, then that's perjury, right? But right, can you be right. compelled to say under oath that you will never do something in the future, and then if you then do it, you've perjured <laughs> yourself retroactively? It's ridiculous. Yeah. That can't possibly but, but, but be the but Gary, this is why I hate talking about this because all we do is speculate on what what can happen. Well, because we don't have a lawyer happen. here, we would need yeah. an attorney here. Because I, I have no idea. I can get Kevin in here. He's the closest thing. We yeah, have yeah. To a lawyer. Or, or just anyone from the internet. I mean, they yeah, they fucking know, know everything, know. right? The Reddit posts now. It's amazing how you can be an expert in carbon fiber yeah, submarines yeah. in one minute and the internal politics of Russia the next. It's people. People are geniuses. We will Absolute keep geniuses. an eye on the courtroom here throughout the remainder of the week. And of course, next week, I'm sure we will circle back to this and talk about the final proceedings, where this all landed, because it is supposed to wrap up by the end of this week as a recording. So keep your eye out. Of course, follow those incredible journalists all around the globe for all the news coming out inside of the courtroom. And that should be one heck of a week as we continue on. But let's jump into another good one from Rebecca Valentine herself over at IGN. She actually has a really cool in-depth article all about Perfect Dark, giving you an update on the game. She actually spoke with 13 sources familiar with the game's development. Oh, yeah, proper journalist. Proper journalist. And, of course, this was really interesting to keep tabs on all the big ones. So I'll give you a couple of the big hits that I got out of the article, and I highly encourage you, if you are interested in game development, if you're interested in Perfect Dark, if you're interested in how Xbox approaches their game developers and also what this new approach is with the initiative and also co-development partners, she's got it all, and this is a must-read. But just to give you a quick rundown, Perfect Dark, if you remember, was revealed at the Game Awards 2020 with the new the initiative team. The initiative was created in 2018 as one of two new internal studios during the Xbox acquisition time. Uh, of course, that was the infamous quadruple A term that was thrown around that was on a hiring thing, but also turns out from Rebecca's finding was a term that was being used in the studio to describe the caliper of game that Daryl Gallagher and Dan We're trying to spearhead with that. Uh, Before Xbox announced Crystal Dynamics as the studio partner to help create Perfect Dark, the first years were actually helped out by certain affinity. And this was all right before, of course, the global pandemic. The certain affinity team and the initiative did not really do well working together. Two different studios, cultures that didn't really mesh well. A lot of the conversation was being had about. They were playing a lot of telephone of They said this, then I went and did this, then it turned out to be this. Really interesting stuff on how these two studios just didn't really mesh well, especially with a global pandemic going on. And then it moved in to talking with Matt Booty, which was very interesting, about the hands-off approach of Xbox. And it was really interesting because Matt Booty uh, says, the amount of time I've spent on the phone with Daryl and everybody at the studio is sort of opposite of hands-off and the amount... We've been down there. So 
He's saying we're not really that hands-off as what it might seem. And then he later explained that Matt Booty and Xbox's approach is a middle ground of sorts between very hands-on parents that retain full control and total autonomy. And his explanation makes sense. Booty could be on the phone every day with the initiative leadership, but rank-and-file employees may never hear about it. He went on to say that some of the initiative struggles were less a result of Xbox's attitude towards its studios and more an inevitable reflection of the struggles born from starting a studio from scratch just ahead of a global pandemic. So now we're on a better track, the article ends with, with Crystal Dynamics and the initiative working together. They are still in the early phases of this project, and it is expected quite a ways away, but it is now making better progress towards the front of it. But really interesting stuff. Game development turns out is very difficult, ladies and gentlemen, as we've been saying for a long time. But Paris, I'll ask you, did you get to check out this article? Were there anything that was wowing to you besides some of the key points I hit there? I did. And as you've already said many times, Rebecca's fantastic. Like like you said, Gary, she is a proper journalist for sure. No, um, great article by her. And I mean, it, it really comes down to, yeah, making games is hard, number one. Trying to make this big triple A slash quadruple A game as you start up a studio during the pandemic at the same time with multiple studios and different directions and philosophies and all that. I, I get it. I, I, I totally get it. And I, I understand the difficulties with that. Um, it sounds like they've kind of got everything in order now and they have a path moving forward. So hopefully, well, actually not even hopefully uh, when Matt Booty was on the couch with Phil Spencer at the giant bomb on the giant bomb couch, he basically mentioned it will probably see perfect dark next year um, at, at the next E3 or whatever we're, we're calling this. So to the point of the article, still a few years out, which, okay, I, I get it. You know, it was hope, hopefully, you know, I, I was hoping we'd get it, you know, sooner than that. But, you know, to the point of the article, there were definitely some struggles there over the past few years. So hopefully the ship's been righted now and, you know, we get, get a quality AAA perfect dart. Quadruple A, Paris. Quadruple yeah. A. Big moments <laughs> well, here. You, well, speaking on that, obviously we know they were, obviously that's a, a word they were using even in, internally that we've heard over the past few years. Hopefully no one ever says that again. It, it does kind of remind me of that. It does kind of remind me of that onion story they did with Gillette. It's like, fuck it, we're going to do five blades. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, and by the way, they, they actually do five blades now. Um, I would have walked that back. I would have said somebody just, that was a mistake. It was a typo. Somebody hit the A yeah, one yeah, too yeah, many yeah. times. They tried we to we, we that, actually yeah. meant triple A. You got to walk it back. I don't know. For me, to, to me, for me where, what this comes down to is what, what are the lessons of Redfall? Right. In fact, we touched upon it when we had Phil on the show. I, think I asked him, like, what is a post mortem? When you have something that is that does not work, when you have a complete misfire, talks about failure, right? What, what do you? How do you take from what you can learn from failure and apply it to the next thing so it doesn't happen again? How do you emerge from failure stronger? Because like that's you have to be able to take something from it. You have to be able to extract some positive lessons to lessons to learn. Um, and it feels like one of the things to be learned from Redfall, because Phil mentioned it. He said about Redfall, one of the problems was we weren't involved enough we didn't get ourselves involved in the process early enough to to give them the sufficient help that they needed to make the game what they wanted it to be so now we have this right a game that all, we, all we've seen out of it is headlines about a troubled well they're adding another studio is that does that mean that they're in trouble and they're they're kind of like having bringing in to shore it up we don't know i've seen plenty of games that had troubled developments and the game came out great or, or you know the, the 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 reports were not great but then the game and vice versa so you just don't know. You, you, there's only so much you can really infer from you know reading the tea leaves here. 
But I do think that having been stung very badly by Redfall, I mean, Red, on the one hand, Redfall already feels like old news, right? We've all moved on. Redfall has already been kind of consigned to the dustbin of history and we're all moving on to whatever the next, you know, scandal is. But memory, people's memories are long, right? And we, like, people are going to remember Redfall at the back of their mind for a long time. Microsoft can't afford another one of those anytime soon. No. So if you play golf Absolutely semi-seriously, not. you get one mulligan. Yeah. One. One. They got there. And, that's, and that was their, their mulligan. Gary. They don't get another right? one. They they can't well, they, kind of the, they can't, they can't do it again. With Perfect Dark, sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I mean that's that's kind of the thing coming out of this article to what you're saying, Gary. Yeah, I would rather them take way more time making Perfect Dark than to try and rush it out just to say, hey, we got to meet some arbitrary date. You know, despite yeah. all the struggles that they've had, let's get it right. Like if Perfect Dark wasn't coming until 2026, but that's the amount of time they needed to get it right, then that's what you do. Um, I'll just throw another game in there, which we did not see at this last showcase um, that there's been rumblings about is Everwild. You know, we still don't know what that game is. Clearly, that game is far out. So it sounds like that's gone through some kind of overhaul internally as well. Good. <laughs> if that's what you need to do, then that's what you need to do. Get to the point you're saying, Gary, it's like we can't keep having these Redfall type issues. In, in gaming, especially, and I think Matt Booty even addressed this as well, where he said game development is just simply going to take more time now because these AAA games are way more complex or more intricate. They need more time. And there's a and, and, there's, think, and there's a and there's a there's a bigger argument. There's a whole other conversation we can have that people are raising. Our games getting too big for their own good, like the, yeah. the, the amount of money and the amount of time that gets thrown in and crunch, and these teams are getting bigger and bigger. Our games kind of metastasizing out of control. But I, to go back to what we were talking about, I don't know, I don't remember who I'm stealing the quote from, but you know, there's a, there's a well-known aphorism that gets thrown around like, one big mistake you can write off as unfortunate, two mistakes, it starts to look like carelessness. So that's, the, that's where they need, because they've, they've had their one mistake, right? And so if, it, if another big, and this is why obviously why Starfield needs to be spectacular. Can you imagine if Starfield was anything less than great? Then, then they're in big trouble because talking about that's, that. that's going to that's going to be the only story. I I'm starting to believe that Starfield will be great. I wasn't I wasn't overwhelmed by the first the No Man's Skyrim, the first thing they mm-hmm. did. Now though, as it's starting to come into focus, I think it's starting to look really really good. I think you'll be fine with Starfield. But like even if Perfect Dark is 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 a few years away, I think and like once you've had a, once you've had a, a big game fall on its face like Redfall. There's, I think, probably like a, a good few years where you just can't, you, you can't do that again because then it starts to look like a pattern. Like, is this is right. what they do, like promise the world and don't deliver. They have to learn the lessons of Redfall and apply it to anything I say, whether it be Indiana Jones, Perfect Dark, anything where it's like a big, you know, this, this, this is better work. They, they need to double down on, what, on, on preventing another Redfall, essentially. Let's wrap up the Perfect Dark uh, conversation with Rebecca over here. She writes at the very end, uh, the team is focusing on a first-person shooter balancing combat and espionage with an emphasis on spy gadgets, some experimental movement tech, and a focus on narrative. Recent plans seem to be leaning towards some kind of episodic format, though the exact form and shape of it has yet to be determined and still could change entirely before release. So, a little sprinkle of what could be here in the future. We'll keep our eyes on Perfect Dark with Crystal Dynamics in the initiative. But guys... Let's finish today's show with some fun because we haven't been together since the Xbox game showcase where we've been able to just digest that and talk about the showcase. And I want to hear your guys' initial thoughts of the showcase. Did you love 
the showcase? Did you hate it? Did you like the Starfield Direct at the end of it? And what were one or two of some of your favorite announcements and reveals that were happening over this summer? Because we haven't got to do that as a team here with the X-Cast. So, Paris, I'll start with you. The showcase itself, good, bad, ugly, what did you think? And then give me one or two reveals. The showcase was great, but I'm going to pivot and say something really quick. I really enjoyed the weekend in Los Angeles because Mike and I, Mike and I, you know, we, we, we got to hang out. Yes. And, and we were at a, at a certain mixer yep. on Saturday night. And we played the the awkward game of like let's go inter- let's awkwardly introduce ourselves to go pe- to people. So this, that was a lot of fun. It was obviously great to hang out with you. Um, but going back to the showcase, I thought it was great. I really did. Um, I thought for me, this is probably the best one they've done in well over a decade. Yep. Uh, just for the from the production value, they kept they kept it. It was two hours, but it didn't feel like two hours, which is a sign of a good showcase where they got in, showed the games that that needed to be shown. We saw Sarah for a minute. We saw Phil for a minute. And that was it. You know, obviously, they, they finished it off with Fantastic Starfield Direct, but it was very, very tight with what they showed. Um, I never felt like there was a dull moment in there. Whether I like the game or not, I just thought they boom, boom, boom. They open with Fable, you you end with Clockwork Revolution, and then obviously Starfield Direct. I thought it was great, really did. Uh, Gary, what did you think of the? Yeah, game? I thought it was really good. I mean, you know, for me, it just comes down to were were there several games in there that I'm that I'm excited about? Yeah. Yes, they weren't necessarily all the obvious ones. Uh, my so like I'm trying to there's a couple of them I'm going to blank on but um because there were there were at least three that I thought okay these are my top three and the none of them, none of them were like big AAA games okay they're all ones that look just that just look really interesting to me I'm going to think of the third one in a second um but the first one was and I don't know how to pronounce it Jusant the climbing game that's oh. my number one that looks fantastic that had a demo out so oh good my game. god like, that, was that, a very that game good just game. looks incredible I absolutely love that I that, that's probably probably my most anticipated game and then the other one. And I don't remember the name of it. One of you two will know. But what was the game that was like in the kind of Louisiana Bayou? And it was that cool stop South motion. Midnight. South of Midnight. That looked awesome. games. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. That we're looked really, really cool. And again, these are, they, you know, that was just a cinematic trailer. But just like the vibe. Almost like a Leica movie. Almost like a Kubo and the Two Strings kind of vibe. Like I just love mm-hmm. that animation style. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I love games that are set in that world. You know, the kind of voodoo and the swamp and the bayou and all that kind of stuff and, you know, and, and blues music. Like, well, I mean, look at it, right? I mean, it's beautiful, right? It just looks so cool. Um, and the third one, I'm, I'm blanking on it. Right off some of the names of the games that were shown there. So for me, I really loved 33 Immortals. Yeah. Gary, this was 33 people being able to play in a raid it. style. Right. Uh, roguelite. I really like that. That looked good. Star Wars Outlaws, of yep. course, stole the weekend in the show. A lot of people like that. I thought Cyberpunk Phantom Liberty Phantom Liberty looks sick. Like the trailer that they had was really, really dope. It reminded yeah. me of Dredge, uh, Judge Dredd, but the the new one where they go into it and they're in the, all in the tower in the block. Big yeah. tower. They had that moment where I was like, oh, this is gonna be sick. Uh Payday Three was yep. out there as well, which I got a little pop for. Even got to play Payday Three, which I get to talk about here in a little bit. Uh and then for me, my biggest one, Gary, and Paris will be up for, up for this one. Microsoft Flight Sim 2024 looks dope, Gary. I love all the job simulations that they've put into this. The idea of like wildfire containment out of planes. Yeah, it looks being great. able to rescue people in the helicopter, on hiking, out in the ocean. I think that is going to be a ton of fun. And some of the weird stuff, like the Dune Ornithopter expansion, right? Paris was in the Dune thing. He was in it, man. 
It was crazy. Yeah, yeah. The, in Budapest, man, that was. Oh, can can I talk about that really quick, please? Uh, yeah, yeah. Being able to do, you know, for a showcase extended, um, you know, the flight simulator, the partnership they got with Warner Brothers and Dune. But yeah, be able to go out to Budapest, go out to the studio, and and sit in that thing was was awesome. But I will say this about filming: it was so humid in Budapest when we were there. It may not have shown in the videos that you were seeing, but every time they said cut, I mean, I'm ripping that jacket <laughs> off and I was dying the whole time, but it, it was a lot of fun to do. Um, I guess since I'm talking, I'll, I'll kind of just dive back into the things that, that I really like. So I did go hands-on with 33 Immortals oh, um, after the, the Xbox showcase. Yeah, it's, it's Hades with 32 of your best friends. That's the oh, best way to it, it describe it. Um, when I we want. played, it was it was four players. We got to do co-op, but um, a lot of fun. That that game has a lot of potential. I'm really going to be looking forward to that when it comes out in early 2024. I love that. Uh, to what Gary was talking about before, South of Midnight. Yeah, being able to see what Compulsion Games was finally working on, fantastic. That, that game's going to be day one for me. Really looking forward to that. Now, I will also say seeing uh, Clockwork uh, Revolution from In Exile was like, it's funny if they didn't do the Starfield Direct, that basically was closing the show, right? And that to me was absolutely worthy of closing the show because it had that steampunk Bioshock Infinite feel to it, but it's also has RPG elements to it as well. Time manipulation looks yep. great. And and look, shout out to to whoever's running the social media for In Exile. Because yeah, yeah, you know who you are. Yeah, and they said they said I was right. Yeah, because I right. called it right before. They said I was right. So I just I just remember that. what my what my other one is. Later. Oh, other ones are okay. So Dodoin, I thought looked really good. Okay, just, I just yeah. the little cute cozy. I, those that's my speed. I know you these love days. that. I know you love. Of course, that. how could I have blanked on the number one? Number one by far. Fucking like a dragon, infinite wealth. I knew you would. You do know, it. I knew you. Kastiga Ichiban is back, it. the greatest protagonist in the history of video games. <laughs> I'm comfortable in saying at this point that life like a dragon is in my all-time top five, top five favorite games. It's oh. so fucking good. And this is the sequel. This is what I've been wanting. It's, it's the sequel. They're, they're, they're back to the turn-based RPG combat. This, this fucking clown right here, Ichiban, and his little group of Bozo friends are the, the most fun I've had in a video game in years. And I was genuinely, genuinely sad when the game ended because I just wanted to keep hanging out with these people. Like, it's, it's just oh. so much fun. And I'm so glad they're coming back. I can't wait. This one my most great. anticipated game overall. That GTA 6 would be the only thing that, that could that could rival it. Another uh, great one. Sea of Thieves with another great crossover. The Legend mm -hmm. of Monkey Island looks very, very fun. Yeah, did you see that Ron Gilbert didn't even know about that until they showed it? <laughs> That's crazy, Gary. That's crazy. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you call Ron Gilbert? <laughs> I mean, I, are you sure? Do you think he might have some, might be helpful to if you in some way? If you him as a creator, you would. But what a joke. Also, shout out to Persona 3 Reload. I know that mm -hmm. that was like a thing yeah. that was kind of leaked and uh, yeah, I got talked leaked. about for honestly like a long time, uh, even before like the trailer straight up leaked. But uh, honestly, I'm very excited for, for that to get like a proper modern treatment for uh, people new to the franchise. And yeah. uh, and of course, I should mention Fable because I talk about it all the time. I Fable. did. I really enjoyed that trailer. Obviously, it was just more cinematic, but we, we know, what, the, we know what the, the game's going to look a like bit. a Fable game. A little, yeah. tiny little bit of gameplay. Um, and I think it did at least answer the question. I don't know whether it really was a question, but like, there's a couple of things with Fable you have to get right, right? One is the, 
is the gameplay and the other one is the, the comedy, the humor. Yeah, that yeah. very, very specific British well, kind of Blackadder, Python-esque mm -hmm. humor. And, and the trailer, I think, demonstrated that, yeah, they, they have a good handle on that. It's going to be a lot of fun. And it had the added bonus of flushing all the assholes to the surface of the internet, complaining <laughs> that, this, that this, this woman, this protagonist, yeah. Yeah. should look like some, you know, Supermodel. doll from... Yeah. Uh, the cover of, uh, you know, a, a, a glamour magazine. Who are, who are these people? Did you see the thing was going around? Oh, I fixed it. Yeah, no, you haven't. You've just made yourself look like an mistake, asshole. Gary. Crazy. Yeah, the Did you see this, Paris? Who are these people? I saw it. I saw it. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. What a joke. Who, who cares? Oh, my God. I'll tell you what. I, I'm with you, Paris. This has been their best showing in quite some time. Like, this is the best, per, this is the best showcase that I've seen from them in a long, long time. I think... Starfield did a lot of heavy lifting, but when we look at just the Xbox showcase itself, I think they really found the flow, right? My worry was we were Goldilocks trying the different porridges and we didn't know what our true messaging and flow would be. They ditched the 12 months. Yeah. I really liked that. They showed a lot of games in the future and close by. I think they could have used a little more gameplay, but all in all, this was one of their best performances. And I was Completely really pleased agree. walking out of that. Starfield adding on top of that, having a deep dive with Todd Howard. Like that was an amazing two hours of just like, man, we are getting treated here. So shout out to the team. They really did a good job on that one. And I know Paris, you got to go to FanFest, which was really exciting. I want to end that with a positive of the community coming together. How was that? What was that experience like for year number two for them, right? Like this is, hey, we're back again. We're doing it. How was that experience? Yeah, I do want to jump in that, but one other game I do want to bring oh, up yeah. that I, I I did get some behind closed doors after the showcase was Forza Motorsport. Oh, um, turn turn ten, they're wizards again. Uh, that game's gonna be so. If you're in racing, you're gonna be so satisfied with it. Um, they sh kind of showed off their Builders Cup uh, in the session that we had, and it's about how you're instead of you just running out buying cars, how you're building cars. Like it's gonna help you understand. Every, all the intricacies of building a car and getting on the track and racing it and just the the demo they showed us that was on a series x graphically visually fantastic like, like it's gonna be phenomenal i mean october is gonna be a monster by the way i don't know what game needs to delay itself out of that month but something needs to move because my god there's gonna be so many amazing games in october and it's gonna start it's like that every year Sport. all these games yeah these games but this one seems worse gary this one seems worse. I, I've never seen a 10-day period that we're going to have from... Yeah, it's a, lot. It's, it's, gonna, a lot, it's a lot of traffic, yeah. and, so, and someone's going to lose, right? Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> so, these games are going to cannibalize each other. But there's only yeah. so many hours in the day. There's only, people only have so much money to spend. People are going to have to make some choices. But overall, I think that based on my own takeaway from what I watched all of the trailers and what seemed to be kind of the prevailing mood of the, the online commentary, people reacting to it, was it was a really strong showcase. And I'm actually surprised if I'd have been when when Phil came on here, you know, Phil got a lot of props for like being very self-deprecating and taking it on the chin. Redfall was was embarrassing. And, you know, he came on here and the mood was very, you know, it was, it was a bit grim. Um, if I were Phil, knowing what we had in the showcase, I might have been a bit more bullish and said, yeah, yes, Redfall, we got it wrong. We're going to try to fit. Yeah, it's, it's not a great moment for us right now, but just wait for the showcase. The, the feel good factor is coming back because I feel like it did a little bit. I feel like the overall story of the it showcase did. was, OK. The, vibe, the vibes are back on. Like, there's some good shit coming. And that was the thing that, um, and I don't know if you were hearing that, Mike, just, just leading up to Sunday before you guys left. Um, 
everyone that I talked to seemed very confident about that showcase. They were feeling really good about it. Like, hey, you're going to see something special. That Starfield Direct is going to be amazing, the whole thing. But going back to what you originally asked me about FanFest, so funny story. Um, I actually didn't go to FanFest uh, because I was doing behind closed door stuff. And I remember I had oh. some free time. Par- and I go, you know Paris what? is big, it's big time now. He doesn't hang out no, with the... No, no, I'm just, I'm, I, no, listen, no, no, hear the story, hear the story. Paris so, doesn't hang out with the great unwashed no, out on the... He's behind closed no, doors with the, no, with like the stars. That. He's a man of the people, We were talking Gary. about Starfuckers, but there's the ultimate Starfucker right there. Well, behind well, closed doors with the big boys, sitting in a fucking well, dune ornithopter. Well, the great unwashed are in line for the, for the, for the, for the men's room. I'm telling well, you, Paris, I, I, Paris, I did. No, Paris, you've earned it. No, you've no, earned, no, you've no, earned no, your no. place. He's you paid up. your dues. You've made your bones. You've, got, you've been in this business a long time. You deserve to be where you are. I'm just saying. You're, you're, you know, well, you're the man. Well, I, did, I did get interviewed by Fox, <laughs> Fox LA oh. about the showcase there. Anyways, no, but, like, no, but seriously, about, about, about uh, FanFest. So I, I was like, oh, let me go down to FanFest you know, while I, I have some time you know, to kill before I go to this next appointment. I go down there. I ran into a few people, you know, talking or whatever. And they're 10 minutes and they go, yeah, FanFest is over. Get out. So oh. I, I didn't get to do anything. Yeah. But I did. I did get to talk to Pete Hines as we're walking out. And we, you know, kind of talked about, you know, the direct and everything and um, just how much I enjoyed it and all that. But, yeah, this year. I didn't really. I didn't get to experience FanFest at all. Just the last ten minutes, okay. unfortunately. Well, Team Xbox continue to kick butt, continue to do FanFest. I look forward to seeing that grow. I saw a lot of incredible best friends, Xbox members, audience that was like jazzed up to be a part of it, and really happy to be there from the industry and from outside of it. So, like, props to you all. Continue to do that all around the globe too. Like, it's really cool to see FanFest in different sectors of the globe, and so many people come to celebrate. But Guys, we get to celebrate because that's the end of the episode. We'll be back next week with more Xbox gaming talk. I'm sure we'll wrap up the trial conversation and we'll find something new to talk about with all of you. want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in. Thank you for watching and listening. And we will catch you back next week, gamers. Goodbye.